No llegarle a alguien ni a los tobillos. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Spanish for to not reach out to somebody or to the ankles. What? Uh, it's That's the literal translation anyway. It's an idiomatic expression for not being able to keep up with somebody. Uh, oh. Something most of the Formula One grid can identify with, but not all which we will get to. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me is Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing well. I learned that this week it's not just about uh, the how fast your legs are, but also the shoes you wear. Um, you don't want to have a pair of shoes that kind of just get too hot and fall apart, uh, you know, halfway around the running track. That's important. Very true. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? I'm surprised how long it took me to realize that Danny wasn't talking about actual <laughs> running shoes. <laughs> Uh, it was I, 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 it was veiled so well as a as a you could barely see the metaphor that was there. It was incredible, really. Um, you two are incredible for holding down the fort last week. I really appreciate it. While I started a new gig, um, if you I was are, going to ask Rob how his uh, how his how he survived the hurricane, but I can see that's that he's right. currently. You guys talked about po- Twister without me. The one episode where I'm out, you guys talk about Twister, <laughs> one of my favorite movies. But yeah, Rob, yeah, I was worried. Okay? I was worried how he was doing, but but as you can see from his webcam, he's currently broadcasting from the side of an open building while there's just like destroyed <laughs> palm trees stuck in windows of skyscrapers behind him. So clearly, it was pretty bad. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm just. I'm pretty much in my bunker at this point, uh, riding out the rest of the storm season. Uh, if how you was are, it? oh, it was. Uh, it was brief and intense, but it was fine. Okay, cool. Sorry, see, what's happened now is I hosted last week, so now I'm stepping all over Drew's toes because I can't. <laughs> I have to be batting my back in my place here again. Sorry, Drew, go ahead. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> if you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we recommend listening to our preseason primer uh, episode that assumes no prior F1 knowledge uh, and gives a load on, on uh, how the sport works and who everybody is. This year's primer episode, if you would like to listen to that is uh, number 96 also this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift f1 where every month we release bonus podcasts uh, and videos exclusively for our patrons uh, covering racing documentaries and films f1 video games primers for the racing series uh, and a lot of weird things if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. I really enjoy I've been thinking about Grand Prix a lot mm. uh, recently. I, I really enjoyed our chat uh, with that. Yeah, it was almost as long as the movie itself, which is why we have made sure that you have ample time to both watch the movie and listen to the podcast. Uh, you can check that out as, as long, or sorry, along with all of the uh, many uh, uh patreon exclusive podcast film reviews primers all that sort of stuff uh, and a bunch of videos as well um over on our patreon we will have a new patron exclusive uh film review probably film review um in a in a couple of weeks time so we'll probably talk about what that is on next week's episode but these races are coming thick and fast they are let's just get right into it um we it's a little different so we've had a double double before we had two austria yeah. grand prix back to back but this time it's different because there are different tires, which I think is a cool, uh, they changed up the tires for this one. So I, I think that's a cool thing. Cause you get kind of a different race. Uh, I imagine people were a little scared going into this cause everyone's tires exploded in the last Silverstone race. 
Um, but this probably forced them to do to do two stops instead of trying to stretch it to one. Yeah, this um, is like the inverse of what happened last week. In that, by the way, great job taking off the most boring race in oh. <laughs> the past in recent memory. I mean, this um, one too. But, but, they're they're strategy races, right? We get these a lot in Formula One. Yeah. There are strategy races, but there's like two types, right? There's the one that has the possibility space that like anything could happen and then nothing happens, which was last week. And then this one where everything happens, <laughs> you know, <laughs> last week, this is like the, uh, the, the last week was like the boring universe version of this week's race, um, where we did see a lot of that, um, which is really cool. I, you know, I think especially as a, a first time watch, I feel like it was just way more like exciting it's always weird looking back on these races knowing what happened but at the time it just seemed crazy and there were certain like inflection points that happened that really changed what was going on in this one uh well let's run down the grid here for the start of the 70th anniversary grand prix valtteri botas pole position uh lewis hamilton in second third place Nico Hulkenberg. That is right. He is boy, back in boy. the car again since uh, Sergio Perez tested positive once more for COVID. Um, and spoilers, Hulkenberg's car starts this time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Racing Point says they are, quote, 99% sure that Perez will be back in the car uh, for this weekend, this upcoming race right. in Spain. Um, but Worth yeah, mentioning fourth- as well for the folks who don't remember that Nico Hulkenberg has never gotten a podium in Formula One. He holds the record for most races without a podium. He is about 50 clear of the second person on that particular table, um, uh, which I think might have been Adrian Sutil or something. He has, I, I think Hulkenberg has something in the range of 175 race starts without a podium, which means that last week's race didn't actually count towards that because he didn't even start. Yeah, so I was basically just watching Hulkenberg this entire race. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Which was interesting. Uh, fourth place on the grid, Max Verstappen. He's the only one of the top 10 to set his qualifying two times on hard tires. So he uh, is the only one, again, in the top 10 starting on hard tires. Daniel Ricciardo in his Renault starting fifth place. He said his car was feeling good all weekend, and that was enough to get him up to fifth. Lance Stroll in the other... Uh, Tracing point in sixth place. Pierre Gasly uh, in the Alpha Tauri starting seventh. Charles Leclerc, the first Ferrari on this grid, eighth place. Uh, I think Ferrari were just, just, hope, just hoping to stay uh, in the points um, for this race. Ninth place, Alex Albon still having a hard time hooking up his Red Bull. And Lando Norris yeah. starting 10th. Just outside the points, Sebastian Vettel and the other Ferrari. Uh, he even tried the terrible soft tire to get into Q3, but uh, no dice there. Even Martin Brundle baffled by uh, Sebastian Vettel's pace here. Um, yeah, Vettel baffled as well by the, the the post-race interviews on this one were very interesting. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it was Brundle actually who said, Sebastian Vettel did not forget how to drive. <laughs> like, yeah. what what is going on here? Um, Carlos Sainz. Uh, 12th place, Grosjean in 13th. He and Russell both made it into Q2. Um, 14th place starts Esteban Ocon, who got a three-place penalty for blocking Russell in qualifying. Um, which and, and during qualifying, Brundle brought up something that I thought was a pretty good point. Why do they apply the penalty after qualifying? Why not give the penalty to Ocon now when they notice the infraction? Because what Ocon did to impede Russell might prevent Russell from getting into the next phase 
of qualifying. It didn't end up happening that way. Russell got into Q2 anyway. Um, but it's it's that set. Yeah. It's an infraction in that session, but you're penalizing them for the for the race. Had I don't the know next how you section, do had it. the like, next one started? Like, had the next... Well, they can't postpone the next qualifying session, right? So did I... Like, had that had the next qualifying, you know, Q2 or Q1 start or 3 started by the time they'd actually done it, maybe? The thing I would say is it has always felt to me like Formula One rules enforcement has never been about making it right for the person who was disadvantaged by yeah. a driver doing something. Their approach has always been to just, like, look at solely at the driver who committed the infraction and say, across the board, this is what we do in this case. And whether that means you screwed up somebody else's run or like ruined their race on race day, um, it doesn't matter. Five second time penalty, five place grid penalty. Uh, it like the outcome for another driver doesn't really factor into it. And, you know, that might be smart because the minute you start trying to adjudicate harm in F1 uh, and just the grievance politics that surround every team <laughs> and their relationship with the stewards i can see where this might be an imperfect approach but uh i can sort of see why they might have arrived at this at this sort of approach yeah um all right just to finish out the top or the bottom five of the grid here george russell starts 15th uh daniel kvyat uh starts 16th he set a fast enough time to get into Q2, but it was deleted for a track limits violation. He and a lot of folks actually were having a, um, uh, some problems with wind during qualifying. It was higher, I think, this, right. this week than last week. 17th place, Kevin Magnuson. 18th, Nicholas Latifi. And then 19th and 20th, Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen, the two Alfa Romeos, which um, is funny because I think, as the commentators pointed out, the... The very first race, the, the, this is the 70th anniversary of the first Formula One race. I think the top four cars were Alfa Romeos. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, yes, we'll start from the back of the grid. Uh, do you want to take us through the start, Danny? Sure. Uh, lights out, away they go. Uh, all eyes on the two Mercedes, as we always tend to when they're first and second, to see who gets the better start. Historically, we have... Uh, often seen Lewis have a better start, uh, but Botas has been pretty rock solid now for long enough that I feel bad enough for even mentioning that. He was once again solid um, into the first couple of corners in first with Hamilton behind him. There was some overtaking behind him, though. Verstappen got ahead of Nico Hulkenberg almost immediately on the straight, so he was uh, ahead of him by the time they turned into that first right-hander. Uh, Ricardo also got past Lance Stroll, which I think split them. Um, but the big action we saw in that early part uh, wasn't any of the, the the front runners. It was actually our our good friend Sebastian Vettel who found himself in probably a bit more traffic than he's used to. Um, he had Albon on the inside of him, I think it was, and he had his teammate was a couple ahead of him. He was sort of uh, the uh, behind maybe. Um, but as he turned in on that first turn, he actually thought he got hit by somebody, but it was just the curb. He got too much... Um, uh, of the inside curb uh tried to like got an oversteer tried to correct it spun the other way kind of roman grosjean himself across the um the track and almost actually hit alcon who was uh coming up the inside of him um so in many respects maybe he's a bit lucky to get away that it was just a spin but basically stuck him at the back of the pack for first couple of laps of this race 
Yeah, not, I mean, <laughs> understatement, but not the start he wanted, of course. Um, but something we have seen him doing. Yeah. Like, we've, we've talked about it a bunch of times. Don't know if it's the car, don't know if it's Seb, but for the past few years, just these spins. We had, was it Bahrain where he had that one, another one like this, mm-hmm. where it was just no one, no one near him. I think Austria, maybe he had a little go. Just interesting little, and a spin in F1 is like nightmarish. Like, yeah. It's it's like a drive through penalty. You know what I mean? Like if it if it flat spots the tires, it's even worse. But like yeah. even in that situation where he got away with it, kind of, it just totally takes the wind out of his race. Yeah. Um. Someone whose wind, I think we could safely say, is at the at his back for Max Verstappen flying up toward the Mercedes in an early charge. Those hard tires really working for him. Um. He gets so close by lap 12 that he is told by his engineer to back off which he declines um <laughs> doesn't want, doesn't want to drive like a grandma um as he right. says um yeah i mean you know it's it's i think it's a it's a it worth shouting out uh we are don't and he's complaining about grandmothers so perhaps this can uh, um even even the balance out on the the gender jokes here but um a shout out to hannah schmitz the senior strategy engineer over red bull because it was it was her idea to, to put him on the hards um at the start of this race which completely changed the complexion of that battle with the mercedes and was a massive factor in them uh you know doing well throughout this race um just from this it we never saw any gap pull out we're so used to seeing the mercedes stretch that gap out and sometimes it's longer than usual sometimes it's these big gaps sometimes they manage it at like five seconds just never happened this time around it was so interesting i forget were we three laps in when the mercedes got their first warning that um tires were already critical it was, it was yeah, fast. it was really early. Like <laughs> I was like, how? Like that's like it was one of those moments where you just know, like, oh, this thing's a wrap, uh, because they they gave the Mercedes the warning. Uh, you know, it felt like in the first few laps Lap that six. tires were already critical. Um, and what I was I was still thinking, oh, it's just the quality tires. They'll the next set will be fine. <laughs> yeah, they were looking ragged by by at this point, like lap twelve. Um, and indeed, they do pit one after the other on lap 14 and 15. Botas first. Um, and they, they show a uh, a picture-in-picture picture of Botas pitting, which I think was really cool. Uh, they do that a lot in MotoGP. I'm surprised that it's taken Formula 1 this long to do it, but uh, um, more of that, please. Uh, but they come out. Let's see. Botas rejoins in sixth, and then Hamilton slots in behind him. Uh, then we kind of get a look back in the in in the field. Alex Albon making moves on lap fifteen. He overtakes uh, Raikkonen on the outside of what's that long? Is it Stowe? Cops Stowe. That's Stowe. Um, yeah, it's before it. Scary, but a but a good move. Uh, yeah, not the first one he's going to do today either. Um, Albon just you know he's kind of in the thick of it. Got a lot of eyes on him, obviously. Uh, after a couple of races and a couple of uh, mishaps like Hamilton touch we had in austria which wasn't his fault but he's just been underperforming in quality so he kind of needs in these races to be gathering up people and uh he did a great job early in this race at doing that yeah lap 19 he um gets up to pierre gasly uh who's in 13th and some solid defense by pierre gasly but i think he passes him after a few laps there and gasly was also having trouble with his tires um so while 
Mercedes pitted on uh, 14 and 15. Verstappen goes until lap 27 on his hard tires. Um, and that by that point, Mercedes is also on the hard tires because they've pitted. But Mer- Verstappen was still going faster than them and managed to pull out over 20 seconds ahead of Hamilton. Uh, and so that when he pitted, he came out in second behind Botas. Yeah. So it's yeah, Botas for behind him, I think. Yeah, and just behind him. And he got by in like a couple corners into first yeah. place on cold tires. It was Luffield or something. It was crazy. I think that was the moment. That was the like when we crossed the Rubicon in this race was lap 22 when they came over um, the radio to Botas and said that he's already in trouble. And you're like, oh my God, they just yeah. put those on. They're like 10 lap old. And we should probably talk a little bit about what exactly was going on because this wasn't just a case of like some sort of even problem. They were having trouble with the rears for sure. But also there was this issue with the front right, which is a tire, which especially in Silverstone, I talked about last week, an incredible amount of this track is taken at full wallop. I think it's the fastest. I think it's the most percentage of a track that is done at full throttle and a lot of these high speed corners and just the amount of stress that that puts on that front right. It had basically made like a trench in the in the Mercedes front right, which it took them a lap. I think it took Botas's pit and them seeing that there was still enough thread that it was cutting in this like trench in the tire but that you could still maybe safely drive them. You know what I mean? Like the trench was, it was almost like, it reminded me of like a UFC fighter when they get punched and they have to like Vaseline up a cut in between rounds and the minute it gets hit again, it opens. The the tire you could see on the camera was like opening as they had these hard left turns, right turns. It was absolutely incredible. I've never had more suspenseful shots of tires than I did watching the tire wear on the Mercedes where just like, okay, some of it was the lighting changes as they go around which would highlight the weird furrows but there were points where you'd be looking at uh, particularly the um, the left rear of the Mercs where I swear to God the tire had topography where it was like there were two distinct wear regions on on the sides of the stripe. It was was stunning how different the switch in compounds and the rise in temperatures uh, made the race and made the Mercedes relationship uh, to its tires uh, just completely stand on its head. We talk about tires, right? And like we get more questions about tires, I'd say, than probably anything over the course of this podcast. There's never been a race where you could... Remember they used to have that graphic where they had like the red heat on the tire here and there? This was... I've never had a race where you could just see. It was like when you're watching like a, a boxing match. Again, you come in five rounds in and you kind of know who's winning, right? Because one <laughs> of them looks a bit more fucked up than the other. They, they, that's what this looked like. Every yeah. time they looked at a... Uh, that that cockpit, that camera from the top of it, you could tell how everyone was doing. It was really remarkable. Hamilton was baffled. Did you hear his radio message? He was like, uh, regarding Verstappen, he must have low pressures in his tires. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> which of course is illegal, and like they, you know, no one's doing that. No, no one's going to make that, that mistake. Yeah, Brundle was like, like, they check the pressures on the grid. It's <laughs> maybe he was just, I don't know, confused. Um, how how. How could Red Bull be this much better than us? Um, speaking of yeah. rising temperatures, Sebastian Vettel angry with his pit wall after uh, he gets pitted and comes back out in traffic. He says, I will hang in there, but you know that you've messed up. 
unhinged Sebastian Vettel. I'm not angry. Favorite. I'm disappointed. Yes. Yeah. The... He was, I think he was referring to getting into traffic, but like they didn't know that, I guess, signs had had a poor pit stop as well. Rob has removed part of it. his glasses. Yeah. No, just it. Seb's whole like his hectoring schoolmaster uh, persona that he adopts is also like I think it's more tolerable for and oh, anything is more tolerable for winning driver right but when like you make this many mistakes and your performance is this far off your teammates and had like and has been in arguably for years um adopting that tone is just it's sad man it's sad it, like sab just stop talking don't like you Ferrari strategy is not why you're back there, right? Like Ferrari didn't like like send you into the abyss in this race, but he kind of can't help himself. Um, and it's I don't know. It's it is it was one of many dismaying moments uh, from from Seb where I'm like I'm so ready to bring the curtain down on this on this <laughs> production of uh, of his stage of the career. Yeah, he's got senioritis for sure. Right. Um, Nico Hulkenberg keeping it clean. Uh, he pitted on laps 16 and 31. And after that second pit stop, he rejoins in sixth behind Leclerc, uh, who has made it up to fifth place. Um, same lap, Ricardo uh, defending from signs in uh, in tenth place, just loses it, just spins off. Uh, he actually yeah. said after the race, I had a little Seb spin. <laughs> really is that what we're calling Sticking them the that's great that's great mark yeah. weber somewhere Grosjean. is like yes yes <laughs> grosjean's um, relieved ricardo said uh after the was race he tapped by him so after the, he, he says yeah. regarding the spin i could see carlos and signs is to the outside of him uh, around this corner and you obviously try to squeeze a little bit but not have contact then as soon as i opened the wheel and got on the throttle it just went around I think when you are in such close vicinity to another car on that side angle, you lose a chunk of downforce that is normally coming in from that side. Uh, I guess keeping the car down. So I had a very quick loss of downforce uh, and it can catch you out. At least that's a better answer than Vettel, who didn't seem to know what happened. <laughs> right. He was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. He just wants to be in that McLaren faster. He just wanted to jump over into Carlos's car. Uh, some really sure good Vettel wants to be out of Ferrari as well. Uh, banter from uh, Ricardo and Norris, future teammates. It's going to be good. Um, that I retweeted from the, <laughs> the Shift F1 account. Uh, so now, now the question is: Hamilton's in the lead. He has done one less pit stop than Botas. Can he make the tires last? They don't look good, but Hamilton. I mean, he finished the race on three t- wheels last week, so he has been known to you know make miracles happen before. Um, Lap 32, Verstappen and Botas both pit pitted for uh, the hard tires and rejoined ahead of Leclerc. So Hamilton then assumed the lead. Um, ten laps later, though, Hamilton turns out cannot make the tires last. He pits, uh, going from hard to hard, and rejoins um, in fourth place behind Leclerc again. Yeah, and Leclerc's tires look good. Hamilton gets by him three laps after that on his new tires uh, into third place, but Leclerc somehow getting it done. Could we um, have a, a Hulkenberg update at this stage? Is he? Yeah. So 
he was in fifth place and i'm like all right he's like going good here yeah. we like there the is mercedes, a there is a universe just, here yeah. yeah the mercedes touch and, and we're, we're on a podium or their tires explode and we You're got right. hulkenberg here we go um and then they call him into the pits on lap 45 and initially the commentators were kind of like are they trying to cover somebody here albon maybe who is um within up to seventh and then so when hulkenberg comes out he rejoins in seventh behind albon um but apparently after the race we learned that he had severe vibrations i think due to blistering on his tires and said that he could not have finished the race uh yeah from there, which is he said it was really weird because it was the same set i think he was on hards on both the f- first two um Oh no, he wasn't for the first one. I forget, he said that his second set of hards just didn't work the same as the first one. So maybe he was talking about after the pit. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it put him behind his teammate as well, who was, must have been on a different strategy at that stage. Um, and he never seemed to get any more pace out of the car. Just kind of was where he was then for the rest of the race. But great job. You know, it's, it's yeah. almost a shame he didn't do better than uh, Stroll though in the race because he clearly had driven a really good race. Just, you know... I guess maybe it took a little bit too much out of the tires, perhaps. That's right. Yeah. Um, Magnuson also retired, uh, apparently for safety reasons. Gunter Steiner told Jeez. Autosport, quote, uh, Kevin just couldn't keep his tires together. He kept on wearing them out. And it was getting, at some stage, just too t- dangerous to keep on changing tires. Just blisters, vibrations, and we had to retire him for safety reasons. So I, I, I'm sorry if I'm asking you a ridiculous question for the middle of this podcast, but do you have the lap chart in front of you for where people yeah. were? Yeah. So there was one stage halfway through the race where Grosjean dropped five po- five places to second last, and nobody mentioned it. I saw it happen on the um, on the ch- and I don't think it was a pit. He didn't have a pit, and it, but I saw him fall down the li- down from like f- I want to say fifth, like fourteenth or fifteenth down to, to like eighteenth. Yeah. And what is that? That's lap uh, seventeen or so. Let's look at his tire strategy. I'm looking at race fans, by the way, who does a, a great collection of all this data. Um, yeah, thanks. Because I remember by the end, the horses were basically he pitted on lap seventeen. So, oh, so it was then. It was a pit, was it? Yeah, it may have been a pit. Oh, sorry. Okay, so it must have been the the graphic didn't show pit like it usually does. But I was wondering why he was. Maybe he just. Maybe I looked just as he was leaving the pit, and then he got overtaken in the, into the farmer section or whatever. But geez, those man, those horses. You got to feel for. Kevin had a great start. Like, there's yeah. a on F one's YouTube channel some onboards of uh of his start. It it was great. But again, yeah, same as last year. They cannot hang in the races. I don't. The the thing I really want to know about, like, I also want to know about more about tires uh, in F1 because I'm hard pressed to name an era where it feels like tire wear has affected teams so differently. Like Haas has obviously been the most dramatic of the teams to be struggling with like recurring tire issues, but we just had a race where effectively a change in compounds and pressures like completely like reshuffled the uh the field um it it just seems like the wrap on the the these pirellis and the way pirelli has approached their their brief with f1 uh seems to have made for really fussy tires uh that if like you don't stay on top of them if you do not have a handle on them 
then everything is going to go wrong and it won't always show up in quality which has been the frustrate like the yeah. quality pace will look good <laughs> but the extended race stints just won't and that's where it'll kill you um and i'm not sure that that's been a feature of other periods in f1 i do remember that pirelli uh you know when they joined the sport as the new uh sole sole supplier they were really defensive because people didn't like their tires and the way they wore. And Pirelli's response was, hey, we could, like, this is not difficult technology. We could just make, like, hard-as-hell racing slicks <laughs> and, you know, then tire strategy would be done. Uh, but that's not what we were asked to do. It does feel now like we have once again ended up in a, in a place where um, the tires are really swingy. And if you're not one of the top teams, it seems to fall really unevenly uh, for for the burden that imposes. I'm really curious to see if that also uh, evolves as we look to the new era. Yeah, and Haas had trouble with with this issue last year and the year before with the the whole quality being fine, race not being great. It it just shows like when when it affects everyone, like it did this week, it affects them doubly. Like they just totally were awash. I will say though, Magnuson's race was also pretty hosed because he picked up that penalty. Um, That's right. right. Yeah. He rejoined like, unsafely and almost yeah. ran into Nicholas Latifi. It was bad. Like I, you caught yeah. that in real time. It was very much one of those like he just floored it and like whipped that car back onto the track and like nearly banged wheels uh, with yeah. Latifi. Latifi did a great job to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah it was a bad look and it did sort of again make me think about like last week when he kind of did something similar um and it just it, it did feel like one of those cases where here it wasn't ambiguous at all right he just came charging back onto the racing line but at the same time also like yeah that's kind of how this dude rolls is he's like lost it gonna swing back onto the track and uh you know reclaim the line I don't know. Uh, like seeing that happen again, I was kind of like, did did Alvin get done dirty dirty last week? Just a little bit. <laughs> Haas yeah. is uh, a, a bad American cop drama where everyone is a loose cannon. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. The captain is a loose cannon. Uh, the two detectives who don't get along also loose cannons. Yeah, maybe the guy who owns the police station as well. Yeah, right? I guess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Max Verstappen out in front, just crushing it, uh, wins the race by 11.326 seconds. But the question becomes, how will the Mercedeses finish? Uh, Hamilton's on those newer tires and it's closing on Botas. Uh, and then they both get a radio message saying you're free to race. Just give each other space. Um, and a few laps, I think one or two laps from the finish. Hamilton does get by Botas with DRS into second place. Um, and that's how they finish. Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, and Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Alex, Al- uh, Alex Albon getting it done in the back of the field, lap 50. Again, uh, as it's the race is winding down, he gets by Stroll for fifth place, having started yeah, ninth. Amazing. Um, and it's, it is yeah, his third overtake it, right there. Yeah. It's, it's my opinion. If you want to fix Alex Albon, uh, not that he needs fixing to the degree that he does, Sign him. Sign him, you cowards. And I think that would uh, Get, go has a he long only way. Got, has he only got a contract for this year? Correct. He All is right, not okay. confirmed yeah. yet for next year. 
Um, yes, after the race, Botas, uh, not happy. I think he he said uh, at, at the post-race interview to, was it Paul DeResta? Um, as a team, we were sleeping. Mm. Strong words from, uh, as, as strong as they get, I think, from Valtteri Botas. Uh, and then, I don't know if you guys saw this, but on the podium uh after the champagne was sprayed hamilton just um instinctively grabbed the first place trophy and walked away no yes oh no i'll see if i can i'll see if i can find a link to that in the show notes it's pretty funny he's like i already have one of these at home (laughs) from last week right that must have been weird for them actually like just yeah what a strange week i'm sure uh it was a race that i think was won on saturday we just didn't know it until Sunday. Mm. Uh, but let's run down the finishing positions here. Max Verstappen wins the race, followed by Lewis Hamilton in second and Valtteri Bottas in third. Charles Leclerc holds on for fourth place, having started, what was it, ninth uh, or eighth? Uh, it was eighth. Right, and then yeah. uh, behind him was Alex Albon, who finished right behind him in fifth place. Then we've got Lance Stroll and then Nico Hulkenberg in seventh, having made that pit stop. Uh, Esteban Ocon finishes in eighth, followed by Lando Norris and Daniel Kvyat, rounding out the points paying positions. Behind them, Pierre Gasly, Sebastian Vettel, Carlos Sainz, Daniel Ricciardo, Kimi Raikkonen in 15th. Then we have Roman Grosjean, Antonio Giovinazzi, uh, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi, and not classified was Kevin Magnuson, who did retire. Uh, also was issued two penalty points on his license uh, for that unsafe rejoin mm. next to Latifi. And that's the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. The only Grand Prix to ever not be named after a place. Is that right? Yep. First and maybe only. They couldn't have called it the British Grand Prix, or I guess they wanted to, you know, signify the 70th year. Sure. Uh, let's take it to some news, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, as you may, if you were watching the race, you may have seen that um, the Racing Point uh, car copying debacle, I guess. I don't know. Story. Uh, the It goes deeper. Um, Fandango. Yes. Uh, so I guess just to reset, as, as we've discussed before here, Racing Point's 2020 car is almost exactly the same as the 2019 Mercedes. I would argue that the cribbing of design ideas goes on all the time in Formula One, but I think it, it takes people aback to see a car copied whole hog. Uh, and mm. of course, F1 teams will take every opportunity to do, uh, protest the legality of rival teams' cars. Renault lodged multiple protests against Racing Point, and after an investigation... Racing Point has been fined 400,000 euros and docked 15 points in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, The drivers' points will remain uh, unchanged, however. Interestingly, they will be allowed to continue using the brake ducts. So, just to explain this, as we know from the way Haas operates, it is within the rules to buy certain parts from other teams like engines, gearboxes, suspension. Um, but there is another list of parts uh, that the rules say you must make yourself, which are known as listed parts. 
<laughs> Other listed parts, according to the F1 website, are the car's roll structures, front impact structures, survival cell, and most importantly, bodywork, which includes uh, aerodynamic elements. Um, and since the brake ducts duct air, uh, they have been classified um, as listed parts. Now, there's nothing in the rules saying you can't take a bunch of pictures of a part of a rival's car and then make it make your part look like it. What you can't do is take blueprints shared by another team and use those. Renault chose to focus in their protest on Racing Point's brake ducts because most of the design of the brake duct can't be seen from external pictures, meaning that if the interior of Racing Point's brake ducts look like those of Mercedes, then something fishy was going on. It turns out the rear the rear brake ducts, specifically in the opinion of the FIA, are too similar. There is a wrinkle to this, though. Brake ducts only became listed parts in 2020. So in 2019, ah, when Racing Point was developing their 2020 car, it was legal for them to use Mercedes brake duct blueprints. Um, they did know that this change was going to be taking place, and it sounds like they modified their front brake ducts enough but the thing, like, you can't just forget the knowledge that you've learned. Um, so the FIA took this gray area into consideration when handing Racing Point their penalty, which is why it's a fine and some points, not a huge fine and all of your points. Um, that penalty, though, is not sitting well with everyone. Racing Point is, of course, appealing this ruling to clear their name. Um, but so are Renault, Ferrari, and it looks like Williams... Because they want an even harsher penalty for Racing Point. Right. Um, and of course, you know, under the guise of like, we just want clarification on the rules here. Uh, so to quote Calvin and Hobbes, a good compromise leaves everybody angry. Um, <laughs> and this is this is at least how I understand this. Uh, there is, of course, a lot more nuance to this. A lot of, you know, technical <laughs> documents to read through. So if you are interested in hearing more about it, I, I recommend you check out Chain Bear's video on the subject. Uh, which I will link in the show notes. So do, do you know the construction standings as they are now, does that include the 15 point? On reduction? F1's website, I believe so. Yes. And okay, in fact, so they would the, have been a, yeah, uh, they would have been third. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. They're 41 points at the moment and Ferrari are 55 and third. 60, yeah. So uh, yeah. 56, been, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And as we know, like that's a lot of money. Yeah, the amount of money you bring in the season changes a lot uh, based on where you finish in the constructors, um, especially on a short season. I also do kind of wonder if this started being a way to try to get at Mercedes, um, mm. because some of this is coming down to the legality of supplying the CAD uh, designs for uh the brake ducts and christian horner has at least intimated that hey if what racing point did by using these cad files was wrong uh surely it was perhaps wrong to be supplying them uh in the first place when we were heading into a season <laughs> where that kind of collaboration what was specifically like disbarred um and then you have on top of that the kind of weirdly 
chummy relationship between Toto Wolf and uh, Lawrence Stroll, right? So to a degree now, this, there's there, it kind of feels like there's two fronts to this thing. One is the teams behind Racing Point desperately just want to torpedo its season uh, because if, that, if they just plummet uh, down the order because their brakes are effectively DQ'd, then everybody else stands to make a lot of money. And it doesn't help that Safnauer basically said there is no plan B. Uh, it is it yeah. is kind of a, what are you going to do, stab me? <laughs> uh, like, genuinely, it almost seems like their strategy from the first has been, do you really, like, first of all, first, that they feel they did get enough clarification, they did their due diligence up front that they shouldn't even be in this situation. And two that the FIA would not torpedo a team that has already been limping for a few seasons, right? That, like, just politically, this is not a time to start, like, blasting uh, midfield teams who are starting to Mm. achieve some success. Uh, It appears that that was persuasive in some ways to the stewards, right? Because the penalty they have right now... The fine isn't particularly like steep by F one standards, and the and the points penalty is is pretty mild. I get why some of the teams around them are furious at that, but I do think for those of us who just want some of these midfield teams to to find a way to be competitive and make some advances, it seems fine. Um, the teams behind them are not okay with that. They want this car to effectively be utterly hosed uh, for the constructors' uh, standings for the whole season. But I think the other element of this is, is there a way we can get a Mercedes in all of this? Is there a way that we can uh, get some sanctions against that program uh, as we ha- again, like as we head into a new era? Because... They're not popular. They're not a popular team uh, right now. And this this was a weird situation where Mercedes seemed very happy to say, you know, go with God, uh, racing point, by all mm-hmm. means, copy our car. And, you know, Wolf's position has been it wasn't a problem when Haas did it when they came into the sport and basically cloned a Ferrari. So, yeah, uh, it the the brief period of covid like uh comedy that we saw where everyone was like let's all come together for the best of the sport that appears to be out the window at this point uh everyone's like maybe there's a way we can sort of uh gut shot the racing point team and uh if for extra measure you know if there's a chance we can get total wolf thrown out of the sport let's it's a long shot but hey let's just run up the flagpole ruthless that's why uh that's why we watch. Uh speaking of Mercedes, <laughs> they have signed a driver for next year, Valtteri Ooh. Botas. Oh, probably not the one cover. you were thinking. <laughs> uh <laughs> has signed a 1-year extension, so he will be racing for Mercedes uh in 2021. Um just like to point out George Russell is contracted at Williams through 2021. Who knows what will happen in 2022? I think I think mm. he's I think that's a done deal. I think that's pretty much what's going to happen. Um, Let's run down the driver standings. Hamilton is in first in the triple digits, 107 points. Max Verstappen in second with 77. Valtteri Bottas has 73. 
Charles Leclerc in fourth with 45. Lando Norris has 38. Alex Albon with 36. Uh, Lance Stroll in seventh place with 28. Sergio Perez, despite not being in the car for two races, still in eighth place mm-hmm. with 22 points. Daniel Ricciardo in ninth with 20. And Esteban Ocon rounds out the top 10 with 16. Signs has 15. Gasly with 12, Sebastian Vettel with 10, and Nico Hulkenberg in 14th place with six points. Antonio nice Giovinazzi and Daniel Kvyat uh, tied in 15th place with two points. Kevin Magnussen in 17th with one. And then we have Raikkonen, Latifi, Russell, and Grosjean with zero points. In the constructor standings, Mercedes on top with 180 points. Red Bulls in second with 113. Ferrari in third for now with 55 points. McLaren with 53 in fourth place. Racing Point uh, is in fifth place with 41 points. Renault has 36 in sixth. Seventh place is Alpha Tauri with 14 points. Eighth place is Alpha Romeo with two. Gene Haas and team have one point and Williams currently bringing up the goose egg they hmm. they're they're gonna do it they're gonna get points i can feel it I that alpha tari split is that must be worrying for kvyat he's only got two points I mean, that on a 12 is from gasly that's uh yeah it's not a great spot for him to be in yeah um all right that's it for news and the driver standings do we want to take it to the next race danny Let's do it. I know we just had a double header and yes, here we are off to sunny, the sunny Iberian Peninsula for the Spanish Grand Prix at the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya. Um, uh, a favorite of many drivers, a favorite of many teams, a place they know quite well because it's where they do a decent amount of their preseason testing, although that must feel like quite a long time ago now. It's usually the fifth round in the in the 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 calendar so it's usually one that they come to again pretty quick after testing but obviously that's not necessarily the case at least in terms of how the crow flies via a clock and um, 16 corners in this one a lot of variety which is why they do all their testing here high and low speed uh, but one thing to keep in mind not quite sure what the plan is with tires uh, but this has always been a historically abrasive track um, it has high tire wear uh, on a good day, on a cold day, just because of the makeup of the surface there. But we're also going to be visiting uh, central Spain, north central Spain in the middle of August. So it gets hot there, guys. Mm-hmm. Most of the British Isles used to go there on holidays around this time of the year uh, for that exact reason. In fact, Portugal, uh, we have a race coming up in the Algarve, which is another one of those spots. So I don't know what, the, I'm not a soothsayer when it comes to tires, but this is, if you were looking for a place that's going to rip tires apart, Catalonia in the height of summer is pretty much what you want to go for. Um, They're taking the hardest sort of, three sets, the C1, are, 2, yeah, and I'm 3. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that's that's probably what they need to do. Um, it's not the fastest circuit in the world. Average speed is about 195 kilometers an hour, which is on the sh- uh slower end of the spectrum uh but in saying that 60 percent of it's done on full throttle it's it's a it's an interesting makeup a lot of the turns the high speed turns are kind of these uphill sections um it's not the best part place for overtaking necessarily uh, it has two drs zones one the main one is at the end of the star finish straight and then there's kind of one on the inside of the track about halfway through between sectors two and three um which you can also they both have like pretty hot, you know, 
high uh, or low speed corners I guess uh, high angled corners at the end of them so you can tend to just kind of outbreak people basically um, especially on the, the second DRI straight uh, but you'll see a lot of people um, overtaking basically at the end of uh, the straight into turn one uh, it's a Difficult track for a lot of drivers. It's tough on them generally. It's going to be even harder now because of the heat this time around. But it's always one that they've had some of the highest levels of lateral forces, especially in that first sector. Um, a lot of uphill fast turns. Turn uh, three is difficult. It's also difficult on the tires as well. Um, then you have uh, a bunch of like fun corners. My One of my favorites is turn uh, nine, which is uphill into the second DRS straight. Um, you can kind of take that as fast as you want because it's uphill. Uh, into that little right-hander. Um, and then the the last section is kind of where they have a bit of a cognitive, uh, or uh, I guess a physical breather, because so much of the track is quite difficult up and then downhill. It's kind of like a roller coaster Um The arena section that they sort of built here in Catalonia uh, to take some of the edges out, some of those uh, turns uh, is not that difficult, but in terms of their attention, it's super hard because uh, there's like hardly any downforce in here. The way that uh, the turns are angled and the fact that they go downhill into a lot of the stuff makes finding grip a little bit difficult. And also the curbs on these corners, especially the second to last and third to last corner, that little sort of chicane before the pit entry, they're nightmarishly high. So when drivers go over those, they hate them. They bang down and bottom out the car. Um, so sector three is uh it's always been one that the drivers especially during quali will will take a bit of the curve but apparently it sucks um and that's catalonia it's a circuit they know really well it's difficult when they usually do it in the springtime i think it's going to be even more difficult i wouldn't be surprised if we see sort of singapore levels of people complaining about heat and getting water and all that sort of stuff i know max was joking about his engineer having water and sanitizing his hands during the race um he may be taking a couple of more extra sips out of the bottle this time around. Yeah, it's going to be warm. I don't know that it'll be uh, MotoGP warm, um, but <laughs> right. uh, qualifying day looks to be about uh, 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 30. Nice round number in Celsius mm-hmm. uh, with 0% precipitation um, and looks like some relatively high winds here, 8 to 11 miles an hour, 13 to 18 kilometers an hour. Um, and it might get Jesus, a little cloudy. Jesus, take the wheel, Seb. <laughs> <laughs> might get a little bit cloudy on uh, race day, but temperatures uh, only slightly less um, on, on race day. Wind, uh, about the same, and precipitation, a whopping 9% chance. High humidity, too. About 60% uh, for each mm. uh, of the two race days. Um, let's go to fan- fantasy is- standings here. Yeah, go for it. Go ahead, Danny. Sorry, I was going to ask what Portugal is, because I was just thinking out it is funny that they're going to be on the eastern coast of the peninsula for this and then on the exact opposite corner almost for the... For the other one, when because the next one's Ma- is we're going back to Italy after this, right? Oh no, it's Belgium, Spas after this. Oh, okay. And then nice. Italy, and then the Tuscan Grand, and then we're not back until the Portuguese Grand Prix is in October twenty fifth. Okay, it's quite a long while away. So I guess I take back what I said earlier. We'll, we'll maybe not be as hot then. Oh, they've named the one in the Nurburgring the Eiffel Grand Prix. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Weird. Huh. 
Uh, all right. Fantasy League standings. Um, I have plummeted to uh, my highest team <laughs> is um, in 1,195th place. Uh, nice. Oh, and interestingly, they swapped out Nico Hulkenberg for Sergio Perez. Interesting. Um, top five teams here in the official Shift F1 uh, Fantasy League, which you can join by clicking the link in the show notes. Uh, number five, Frederick Team 2 from Canada. Two seconds, Ted, in <laughs> fourth spot. Uh, Jacked Up Racing is number three. Uh, two seconds, by the way, from America. Jacked Up Racing from the UK. Sam Team 2 drops to second place, also from the UK. Uh, and then vaulting to number one from Finland, It Protects My Head. <laughs> wow a new challenger has entered <laughs> indeed uh yeah so that's fantasy uh should we take it to emails danny sure got a couple of good ones here shift f1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails i'll take this first one from james james says james here loving the podcast it's been great to break up the time between races although let's be honest guys there's not that much time between races that's me editorializing <laughs> there um i have a question about deleted lap time sebastian vettel exceeded track limits on sunday while recovering from his little adventure on lap one i remember hearing the commentators talking about race control deleting two of his lap times because of this my question is how would this affect the race i can understand the effects of a deleted lap qualif- uh, qualifying lap time during uh, as demonstrated by Daniel Kvyat on the day before, but I don't understand the ramifications of a deleted race lap time. Uh, I hope my question makes sense. Thank you for taking the time to look over it. Yeah, so I wanted to give a little bit of a clarification to this because the deleted lap time during a race is kind of like, it's just kind of a, a law that sort of like hangs out there. It doesn't It doesn't really do all that much on its own, but it's sort of, it's kind of part of a larger ethos and also can have ramifications if it keeps happening so the whole deleted lap time thing is obviously really important for something like qualification because you don't want people if you've exceeded the the limits of the track effectively your lap is deemed null and void and it's uh, the time is sort of taken out of the history books as it were um this would be important in practice for instance if you somehow managed to break the lap uh, record say that would be valid in practice as much as it would be in uh, qualifying or a race uh, situation um so obviously that's why they still do it in things like practice um another uh thing that happened you may remember last year is that they started to delete subsequent laps after people had broke corners too because folks were breaking the limits on the parabolica while entering the start finish straight um at monza and that was helping them get a better start oh, speed cool when they cross the line yeah so it's 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 not just about that one lap or that one turn it's basically all in service of ensuring the purity of any one lap and ensuring the i guess statistical impurity uh, purity of that as well so during a race what does it mean to delete a lap well effectively most of the time it means practically nothing it just means that once again you can't break the record if you you know did a skip the the chicane at the first turn of Monza and then suddenly you were five seconds faster than everyone else um uh that obviously wouldn't make much sense so they're all deleted the 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 only way in which it actually sort of causes anything during a race is that um it's kind of used as a metric for the um the black and white flag stuff a little bit so 
you're effectively like quote unquote allowed to break track limits about three times um they'll start waving that flag at you at that stage uh if you do something particularly egregious it might be earlier it's kind of at the steward's um um uh discretion but if you've done it four times that's kind of the way they say in the rule book that you're going to get um penalized for it uh you can be if you break tra- track limits four times aggressively enough they can black flag you entirely um you'll more than likely get a drive-through penalty at that stage or some time added to your to your uh to your race um so that's kind of the way of it in the end it didn't really matter for sebastian i think he broke it twice he had on the first lap and he also had that um there was somebody he had he, he went wide on uh not love field um the one at the end of the hangar straight what's that one called the right hand at the end of the hangar straight he went wide on that two laps in a row he at the same hmm. point it was really bizarre to see um so i think he might have had a third one actually it would um, delete but uh a fastest lap would it not it would delete a fastest lap as well yeah so yeah potential yeah. you know minus one point um i think also in the case of practice and qualifying or maybe just practice um I remember earlier in the year when uh, Austria was getting rained, or was it Hungary? One of them was getting rained out. They thought they might not be able to do qualifying, and so they would use practice time, best practice times to set the grid. So that could rear its head there. Uh, weird tie-breaking scenarios. Um, yeah, it's you're right. It's yeah. sort of a formality, but like it kind of needs to be there. Yeah, it's one of these rules that you you don't need it until you need it. It's there in yeah. service of, of other sort of things, which is kind of why they do it. So I know, I, I understand how people during the race might be like, what what's the point in deleting a lap? It's that's it's basically just because of this broader sort of ethos. It's, it um, institutionalizes a, come on now, uh, yeah. escalation <laughs> of, of consequences. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like when you've been bad in class and the teacher makes note of it so that when they try and suspend you, they can go, oh, you've done it like seven times now. Right. <laughs> um, Rob, do you mind taking this next one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Janice writes, these stupid fan cams are really starting to annoy me. Uh, they literally go insane half a lap in with nothing happening. Another guy goes insane. Woohoo! Uh, same, same train pass for the 20th lap in the same order. And oh my god, that milk guy. I saw the milk guy. Didn't like whatever that was. I agree. <laughs> I, I have turned against the fan cam. Uh, okay. I think, and here's my case against the fan cam. It's like dog shit cyberpunk stuff. <laughs> like, like the thing it reminds me of is in Minority Report when like the ads start speaking to you and everything. This is just Hi, like just to, like all the worst shit people expected from augmented reality, but it's just happening in this one really corny way, which is like people making reaction gifs of themselves and like yeah. posting them up there, and then they just go up randomly and out of context. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm against them. Uh, we need to we need to bring this to a halt. I think sure. I agree. I uh, I think they're corny, uh, and I don't I don't need them. I was kind of into I was into it a bit. I thought it was so stupid that it, that I was kind of into it again. I was but into I'm, Nico I Rosberg I, showing up there. That was hilarious. That was funny. That was like, but also that was very memey. That was very. I started, yeah. although I have I've gotten deep into his YouTube videos. He does these. He did a Silverstone track walk that was so fucking detailed. I watched like all forty minutes of it. It was amazing. Wow. Um, 
but he still does the thing. He like you, you go on my website to my to get a voucher for this raffle, and then it's all for charity, but it's still like really heavy handed. Um, I will say there's like this whole um, you know, the idea of like whatever emails you read out on a podcast will basically create the type of email that you answer. Like when people hear that certain emails are read out, they then send out emails like that. Long ones, short ones, questions, whatever is right. And it's the same with this thing where they've shown too many of these like just completely outlandish things. So now that they have the milk guy, like I'm worried the next one's going to be like people in their backyard setting themselves on fire or just like the most meme stupid. Yeah, because they're, they're um, all like, yeah, like did no you see the guy in the first lap. Go watch the highlights. That. The guy in the first lap on the yeah. first turn is like, he looks like he's just had like all the cocaine. Which is F one, and if there were people there at the at the uh, you know in the, the hospitality like suite, what, what was man? <laughs> it's just those days are behind us. Uh, Drew, you want to take this one from Ryan? Yes, Ryan says message colon. Does Hulk with one or is that you, Danny? Is it just a copy? <laughs> that was me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan says, does Hulk with one result netting him six points? finish in the top 16 for drivers this year uh he is 14th now with six points that is true okay so i'm looking at the list now he's in 14th place with six points behind him in 15th and (laughs) yeah tied for 15th giovinazzi and kiviat and they have two points uh yeah and we have magnuson raikkonen latifi russell and grosjean that is Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, Haas, Alfa Romeo, Williams, Williams, Haas. I think Kvyat will get up there. Okay. I, I don't know about sake. the rest. Yeah. Those Alfa yeah. Romeos do not look good. Could they get five <laughs> more points in the rest? Off-brand Ferrari. Uh, this is <laughs> this is it. Will Kimi yeah. get some points? You think, like, if Giovinazzi gets more... Because all you need is a race where, like, four people, maybe six people, <laughs> don't finish. They're not racing they Hockenheim. Do. Like, so unless they <laughs> unless they end up... Unless, like, Mugello has, like, a uh, slip-and-slide segment of the track that I haven't <laughs> heard of. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, is it Mugello? I've, I've sort of said that, said that way, but also Mugello, Mugello I would, I would say Mugello. Yeah. I say yeah, Mugello. I can't tell, though. Yeah, I feel like I heard Mugello, but I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Mm. Does the G just, is the G hard or soft depending on where you are in Italy? That's another great question. <laughs> Hang on, uh, I'm going to ask points, my Italian coworker but, this question. You guys continue si- the pod. Yeah, please do get it. Get, get it from the source. Um, just so people know as well, and that six points is for seventh, and then it's four for eighth, uh, two for ninth, and one for tenth, and of course the extra for fastest lap. So you need so you'd really want to be getting like you'd need to have like multiple points finishes to to clear sixth. Yeah, not- like that's that's a repeated you know 10th place or higher. I don't yeah. have confidence in any of those in the <laughs> Alphas, the Haas or the Williams repeatedly finishing in the points. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I think he will the think- question was whether or not he'll get in the top 16, I think definitely. I think, or not definitely, I think yes. But also I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he flung on to 14th. I think Kivyhead will 
jump up there. You think? Okay. I, yeah. Russian Grand Prix is coming up. I'm sure Putin will throw some spanners and some some cars to make it happen. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. That's it for emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Shift F1 Podcast. Um, I'm at Drew Scanlon. That's at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, Danny? The dress around the world. I was padding so that Rob could get an answer from his Italian friend. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of racing happening um, oh. this weekend. Formula E is completing their uh, finale. We're in the middle of it. Uh, remember they're all doing Germany all like, the time. Yes. Yeah, six races back to back to back to back to back to back. Uh, that ends <laughs> Thursday, August 13th. Um, we got IndyCar qualifying for the Indianapolis 500, but interestingly, uh, the, the occasion where Fernando Alonso failed to qualify and did not race in the Indy 500 will not be happening this year. Everyone who has entered will start the race this will just determine wow uh, the order um also they've abandoned their plan to have fans there which is a good call good uh we have dtm as a lot ring oh uh we have f2 and f3 supporting formula one at the barcelona circuit barcelona they were great Catalonia they were great circuit. yeah go check out those races if you haven't already they were super super fun yeah it's ever the World Endurance Championship has rescheduled their six hours of spa to this weekend from May. Supercars are uh, competing in, where is this? Hidden Valley Motorsports Complex in, uh, oh, on Hidden Valley Road in Hidden Valley, Australia. Um, for the I was, Bet I got an, Easy, I got an, sorry, go on. Darwin Triple Crown Go ahead, Danny. I'm oh, sorry. No, I got an email from I'm on because I used to live in the the, the sort of uh, DC area. Um, so I got a an email from uh, Washington football team. It came up on my email account, <laughs> <laughs> which first of all I was like, "Is this spam?" And I was like, "Oh no, I forgot that they did that." But of course, so just good. for 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 fun, I decided to do a little um, scrub of the email and the link they sent me to see. Um, how much how deep they had gone with the rebrand but of course like all of their everything else is still redskins because they haven't gotten a new name yet so like i think that's the football stadium is still on the old name road and of course the, all their like server stuff is all named after the old team so um, i i, I really hope interesting that they have a deadlock for a long time and and are forced to print merchandise with washington football team <laughs> i would they buy get that stuck and it's a, yeah it, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's uh yeah it's 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 so default it's like the kirkland signature of nfl teams <laughs> yes uh moto gp is racing at the red bull ring for the, the uh motorrad grand prix von österreich mm. uh and then uh motocross is racing in sweden for the mxgp of sweden and then we have uh, the Trinity here. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is at the Daytona International Speedway for the... The what? Uh, the, ooh, the what? The what, Drew? This is the Xfinity Series. Oh, Danny. so we don't do the voice? Uh, I've started including the, the, the NASCAR feeder just because I want to okay. read more race names. But they don't get um, the voice. 
They don't. No, it's not. Okay. It's, just, it's the it's the it's the minor leagues. Uh, Xfinity the, doesn't get that voice. No. Xfinity gets the like. Thanks for calling. Grand, like Grand Prix. That's the 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 uh, your call is important to us. Uh, Five hundred. Your race is important to us. The you know one eight eight at the Daytona Road Course. You know or Uno? It's uh, it's all caps. U N O H. Uniform November oh. Oscar Hotel. Okay. Uh, Uno, at the D- Daytona Road Course. Uh, Gander Mountain Trucks are also at Daytona for the Sunoco 159. We're getting real weird here with our uh, hmm. our lap uh, numbers. Just odd um, one, guys. Wait a minute. Let me go back there. That's not the lap number. It's the, it's the mileage. But it says oh, yeah. <laughs> on the NASCAR website, it says uh, the Sunoco 159, 43 laps. 153 miles. Okay. Why is it called the 159 then? Huh. We also have NASCAR, know, podcast. Uh, NASCAR also team. at the Daytona International Speedway for the oh Go Bowling 235. Oh, yes. Ain't yes. nobody going bowling these days. <laughs> With uh, Lexan shields between all the lanes. <laughs> We're washing uh, our balls even more. I washing the holes. Washing the balls, washing the holes. I need to the understand holes. why. Like, okay, we Rob. did this two years ago with the Go Bowling thing where it was like, is bowling okay? And yeah. like, Go Bowling is this advocacy website. And I'm, it's still up. Like, this is still a thing. And I'm just curious, like, now, what is this all about? Right, like, what is Please the actual? Is this like the the lobbying arm of the bowling lobby, and like they've just got like mad money to throw around? I have no idea, but it fascinates me. What if go bowling is just like a huge front for like vampire money or something? Like, because it makes no sense why bowling is still around. Like, there, there's some uh, old there's some old cursed money. It does. I love bowling. Don't like, get me wrong. Bowling, you can like bowling has a few things going for it. It's fun even if you're bad, which golf is not. Um, like you can be the, like you are not slowing anyone down when you're bad at bowling. You are just like hanging out there. And also like, there is a point where you're too, where you're too drunk to play, but it's pretty far. (laughs) Uh, though I will say at a bowling alley that in New York, that Patrick Klepek and I were at, um, before all of this began, uh, we did see a guy who appeared to be wasted enough that, um, he was arcing his bowling ball um, like mm. like a howitzer round. Um, his release <laughs> oh point gosh. wasn't... He wasn't lowering it to the ground and rolling it. He was following through with the ball still in his hand and just sort of letting it flop off his fingertips as his arm came up past his head. And so the thing would just sail uh, like fully a third or halfway down the lane. <laughs> And then just like smash into the boards like an audible like building shaking like thud. So he wasn't using any like little like kitty ball. Whoa. He was like using one of like the fourteen pound like monsters. But he was keeping it in lane. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it, like the results weren't good because you kill all your energy uh, with the impact <laughs> right. and it doesn't roll for shit. Um, but it was remarkable. I've never seen it. I've never seen it before. Uh, that was somebody who needed 
the educational tools and resources that go bowling.com uh, yeah. could have provided. He was trying to clear those oil lines, but he just went too far. He was like, you know, you know what this lane needs is character. It needs texture. Um, this <laughs> needs craters. to be like uh, a little bit of terroir on this on this particular yeah. lane. Like the rear tire of a Mercedes. Yeah, there should be a crater. <laughs> Topography. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's one more wrinkle I, I'd like to point out here for uh, the NASCAR races this weekend. This is the um, the the roval, the road oval of uh, configuration oh. of the Daytona International Speedway. Um, so, all right, to set the stage here, Max Verstappen recently said he thinks that um, the the timeline for the Imola race is stupid because. They are only having two days uh, instead of the normal three. So that they're for the Imola race for Formula One, they're having only one 90 minute practice session, uh, which is going to be, I think it's going to be great. Cause like we were just talking about how hard it is to dial in the tires Load and everything. Up those so, old racing Sims kids. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Um, S- Steve in the shift F1 Patreon discord pointed out that, uh, you know, since not only does NASCAR, uh, not do they're not doing any practice or qualifying for this whole season they just mm. start the race not only that no one has raced the daytona roval in a, oh, really? a nascar stock car so oh that's wild no one knows what's going to happen <laughs> that's so strange so they're all in sims then trying to but that's so crazy. I guess. Yeah. Oh my god. We've never wow, been here before. Okay. Uh I think a lot of the field has not done road courses before. <laughs> so there's going to be some right turns here, fellas. Figure it out when wow. the lights go green. Uh and speaking of trucks, the inaugural Shift F1 Patron World Trucks race took place in iRacing this weekend. Uh just wanted to shout out a congrats to Nomers Amazing. on the victory. We love you, Nomers. That's the only uh, racing trucks implementation, isn't, isn't it? I can't think of another game that has... Maybe Forza I, had some race trucks that you could like fuck around with, but... So I saw someone saying that um, after I uh, retweeted that from the Shift F1 Twitter account, that they thought that uh, Gander Mountain trucks were like big rigs. Which they do race in Europe. Yep. Uh, yes, I watched, is, I watched me some big rig racing. That's uh, what I thought trucks were before I, I saw a trucks thing. I thought it was just those. But gentlemen, this is America. Pickup truck racing seems fucking awesome. Like, I watched some pickup truck races, and they're a little more fun to me than NASCAR races. I think because the balance of the cars is so weird, it just looks nutty in a way that, um, like, NASCAR big rigs? racing. No. Uh, Pickup racing. Well, these are the NASCAR ones oh, look trucks. more like pickups. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right. But you not the big oh, ones. Oh, you mean I watching racing, the, the and NASCAR? They're doing the pit, the pickups, right? Like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they got. Yeah. So I'm like, if that's where I have to go for the for the pickup racing, then maybe I do need to dust off that old iRacing account and <laughs> uh, you know power slide through some through some ovals. Yeah, and there are like, you know, games have had 
like Baja trucks for, and like, yeah, I, I forget that. what they're called. They're like, ah, oh, they look like RVs. They look like, um, just these giant yeah. monsters of the dunes that I think was in the original dirt game. Uh, oh, they have some crazy name, but those are also Sand crawlers. Yeah. They look like, uh, <laughs> they look like that. Anyway, I'm a big fan racing. of a uh, wreck fest has a, pretty good like you can combine a bunch of stuff so you can have a race where like everyone else is on like lawn mowers basically like live <laughs> mower style things and you're in like like an like an rv <laughs> or like have a bunch of double decker buses or like but yeah school buses racing against each other yeah. on like an oval or something it's great fun i love it well we're racing formula one cars around the circuit to barcelona catalonia uh, for the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend, Friday, August 14th. Practice 1 starts at 5 a.m. on ESPN2. That's Eastern Times for these. Uh, followed by Practice 2 at uh, 9 a.m. Again on ESPN2. Saturday, we have Practice 3 at 6 a.m. on ESPN Reg. Uh, then followed by Qualifying at 9 a.m. Again on ESPN. And then the race, everyone. Sunday, August 16th at 9.05 a.n. on ESPN. There you Beautiful. have it. Yeah. That's a podcast. That is a podcast. Good to have back, Drew. Thank you. Yes, good to be here. Uh, any final thoughts, Danny? Um, A lot of racing happening, lads. It's hard to breathe. <laughs> I'm looking no. forward to it, though. But geez, after the doubleheader, I was like, oh, got a week off this weekend. Nope. Off we go to Spain. Um... Yeah, far more races than I thought that we'd get this year, and I'm loving them. And they're still trying to get more onto the calendar. That's, uh, that's the exciting thing. They're still saying, thing. like, we can get 18 races done this year. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a full season. <laughs> yeah. they uh, Liberty Media did not have such a great Q2, so they need to uh, they need to Rice. pull it back here in the last latter half of this year. Get bums on seats. Well, <laughs> yeah. Digital seats. Uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. That's it for us. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.